This podcast contains strong language and is intended for mature audiences. It is for entertainment purposes only. Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome back. In this episode, we talked with Beverly Hills therapist, Dr. Shirley Imprezelli and Kelly White about the people who always stress us out and wear us down. These are the four Axis II Cluster B personality disorders as found in the DSM-5, which is psychology's big book of diagnoses. So first is antisocial personality disorder, also known as sociopaths or psychopaths. And they show a pattern of disregard and violation of rights of others, and they have no concern for the safety of others. They lie, manipulate, cheat, whatever they have to do in order to gain profit, power, or material gratification. Uh, the next one is borderline personality disorder, where we see a pattern of unstable interpersonal relationships, this unstable self-image, and a marked impulsivity, money, sex, gambling, whatever. These types are terrified of real or imagined rejection and abandonment and will do what they have to in order to get your attention and avoid being left behind. And then we have histrionic personality disorder, and they show excessive emotionality and use attention-seeking behaviors. They're often hypersexualized or status-oriented, so others will take care of them. They're willing to play the victim or be viewed as fragile or dependent if it gets them the attention that they want. And they're, they're overly familiar, they're overly trusting, their relationships are overestimated and superficial. They use vague hyperbolic language with no evidence to back up wild claims. And last, everyone's favorite, or at least they like to think so, is the narcissistic personality disorder, which is marked by grandiosity, a deep need for admiration, and just a general lack of empathy. They tend to have these inflated judgments of their own accomplishments and devalue the contributions of others and they exploit people and do whatever they can to gain admiration from others and protect their very fragile self-esteem. So we hope we can give you some ideas on how to deal with these difficult people in your personal, professional, and maybe even your afterlives. So hope you enjoy the conversation as much as we did. So let's get this show on the road. How can I reach you? so much from you. I learned so much. And we went through a lot of trauma with some <laughs> In a very short period of time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So welcome back, podcast listeners. Thanks for tuning into The Relationship Show with Dr. Wendy and Miss Jenny. We're two LA-based psychotherapists hoping to help you improve the quality of your relationships to everything and everyone. I'm Jenny J.V. Wilson, a.k.a. Miss Jenny, and I'm here, as always, with my wonderful co-host, Dr. Wendy O'Connor. Thank you. That's so sweet. And today, <laughs> we're going to talk about managing relationships with difficult people, and can we make it any easier and help us tackle this large existential question for the ages? Are the co-hosts of the podcast of the podcast of the podcast <laughs> both sides now? The unconventional duo Kelly White, licensed marriage and family therapist, and a spiritual medium. She awesome. sees dead people. Yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you do 
pets as well? I do. <gasps> yes. And her co-host, Dr. Shirley Impelizari. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes, you are. Oh, Thank right. you. She's a somatic psychotherapist and author of Why Can't I Change? How to Conquer Your Self-Destructive Patterns and Scared Speechless, Nine Ways to Overcome Your Fears. And both sides now, their podcast can be found across multiple platforms, and they both see individuals, couples, and families in private practice in Los Angeles. Is it Beverly Hills? Ladies? Beverly Hills. Yeah. In Beverly Hills. Well, Let's thank get you, trans- Jenny. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Fun to be here. Doing? Yeah, we're happy to be here. So we know a little bit about you, but I would love for you to share with the audience how you two came to work together what's your superhero or origin story <laughs> right how did this dynamic unconventional duo get together what's your path to this work well i think together we form one superhero that's <laughs> <It's> true <laughs> um i met her mom in 1997 who was my mentor and just this unbelievable woman and psychologist in Beverly Hills have been here for what, 45 40, years. 45 years. Mm-hmm. And she's just an incredible woman. She was uh, a humanistic uh, existentialist. Yeah. What was your mom's name? Uh, Dr. Lawanda Katzman Steinberg. Nice Catholic girl. Yeah. No, well, well was actually, it was funny. She was a Southern Baptist who married two Jewish men. Oh my so God. we were all brought up with no religion. Which was really great for what I do now, actually. So Worked out well. In a way, yeah. right? Yeah. I was Schwartz, now I'm O'Connor. So I feel oh, you. Okay. there you go, yeah. yeah. Interesting, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I just kind of knocked on her door one day and met her, and it was, she was just a wonderful human being. Shirley was like a, another daughter. I truly. was the wannabe. I was no, the not the wannabe. Redheaded she stepped on. No, hardly. She was really <laughs> our youngest sister. So, through Lou, I met Kelly. And well, you had interned for my mom. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was her intern for um, a few years, and then I got licensed, and then we, we had an office together. moved into the same office, and we just practiced together, and it was great. Yeah, was are you all from Los Angeles? Mm-hmm. I'm from LA. Yeah, oh, yeah. Nice. We yeah. both are. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You were born and raised here. Born and raised. Yeah. Okay. I'm outnumbered in this room. I'm from LA. What's up? What's up? Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> a little gangbanger in me. Yeah, sorry. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, and you are Jenny from. I'm from Michigan. That's I'm right. Oh, Michigan. okay. Michigan. Yeah, yeah. First 18 years. So then Kelly was not in the therapy world at all. Now, so my background is was very different. I was actually a corporate executive chef, and then I was in the... <laughs> Study at the Cordon Bleu. Yeah. Uh, no, La Varenne in Paris. Oh, sorry. I was an executive chef. I was in the food business for many, many years. I ended up being a vice president for in the food business for many years for one of the largest corporations in the world. And one day uh, in the year 2000, August 10th to be exactly of 2000, I was uh, had just come home from Hong Kong and Europe. I was exhausted from travel, international travel. And I promised my daughter I would take her to see Sting at the uh, Greek theater. She was 14. <laughs> and I was so exhausted that I somehow, as I was getting into my car, tumbled or tripped or something and I ended up smashing my frontal lobe I smashed my head I had a traumatic brain injury and it took me years to recover but from that moment on I didn't know what I didn't know and I did not know that my life had just ended to make a long story short um, I ended up seen dead people there's no other way to say it Um, I, I just started seeing dead people so everywhere anybody where I would go, I'd see somebody, and you'd see your dead grandmother, your mother, your 
uncle, your aunt, your da 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 da, your dogs. It didn't really matter. Uh, they'd all best friends. They'd all come in, and it was really difficult for me to control. It was hard for me to understand what was happening. Um, I seemed to know things before anybody would ever know them. Uh, it came out of the blue. Um, then I had to deal with that, but I had to really deal with the fact that uh, with the traumatic brain injury, I had a subdural, subdermal hematoma, a five millimeter hole, and um, a slow leaker. So it was the same uh, injury that Natasha Richardson had. So only 3% survive. So I survived it. I had no, yay. Uh, yay, I had no religious background. I didn't understand why I'm seeing angels and spirit guides. And again, no religious background. So I didn't have a clue. So my mother, thank God. And her infinite wisdom. Yeah, I mean, she realized what was happening to me, um, knew that I was not schizophrenic, knew that I was not having any of that. I was simply having uh, uh, a complete um, a, like a spiritual, a spiritual awakening, awakening complete yeah. spiritual awakening. So at, then later, after I got, I recovered from the um, head injury, and that took some time, and I had to learn how to incorporate this new toy that I had, if you will, <laughs> I mean, these new gifts. And then I, after that, I decided to go back to grad school. So then from there, I went to grad school, and I became a licensed marriage family therapist with a practice based in spirituality. So I'm a medium. I'm also a psychotherapist. Some people come to see me just for psychotherapy. Some people come to see me just as a medium. Some people I do both. Um, Shirley, thank God, embraced me. I was her intern. She, you were great I with will. it. You were always great with I it. I mean, I'm a huge left brain. Huge. My dad's an engineer. And my send off to college was, okay, study hard and don't get into a relationship because emotions are a waste of time. And I'm like, uh, yeah, no shit. I mean, <laughs> so I was trained to be left brain. And, um, but I always knew that this wasn't it. I you always, did. Even you as always a little kid, I thought, you know what makes you you, that essence, can't just disappear because your heart stops. I just, it, that wouldn't enter my left brain. That wouldn't make any sense. So I always had that idea. And then... You know, then she asked me if she could be my intern, and of course I said, you know, absolutely. And so she started to teach me little by little. And I would always say, okay, I don't want to see him. Yeah, you know? she says that. So but, you have boundaries even in the spiritual yeah. world. Yeah, like, I don't want to yeah. see him. And but I always go with her, like you know, that like the, like the little the little sister, you know, that wants to learn when she because eventually then she met James von Prague, which is really big in that world. Yeah. And he's, he's her, my best friend. Yeah, yeah and her mentor. And so then I yeah. would go with them to like the week, week. Um, we go, we teach, we do all kinds of things, and people would you learning, know, learning, you know, exploring mediumship with yeah. people. I channeled so. the dog once. Did That's this right. scare you? Did this? Uh, um, wait, 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 wait! Don't, don't wait! She just, she so just, I want to hear that. I do, but she just said she channeled a dog. Once. She did. And, and I heard that. She and did. That was because I had asked about the pet. So I just, I'm so, I have so many questions. So I'll be quiet and tell. <laughs> no, no, I want to hear. I want to hear if it scared her too. But I also, want, I don't still no, want to. So, yeah, well, you did good. He what? did. It was a week on. Just you know, like developing your, developing your skills, mediumship, and yeah. I've always been intuitive. for beginners, yeah. But so, and he did like a speed speed reading instead of speed dating. So it was sitting in front of someone for like three minutes, and then just whatever came to mind. So he put you down on meditation to kind of get, and my left brain, yeah, are you really seeing that? Are you? Doing? And I didn't see it, but I got this image of a dog, of a white little dog, kind of like your dog that just came in, and sitting on the woman's lap and lapping her face and so he goes okay just tell the person across from you what you see and I went 
okay, I felt so stupid. I go, <laughs> I just see this little white dog on your lap licking, 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 licking you. And she goes, my dog just died a month ago and he was white and little. We used to call him the licker because he oh, would lick oh my dog. Oh, surely. Okay, great. Now I'm channeling yeah. dogs. So yeah, yeah. it's what? just amazing. But yeah. she's not a dog person. That's what's so funny. Uh, no. Not at all. I would <laughs> never hurt them, but yeah. ain't your thing. <laughs> not my thing. Chimps are my thing. Um, yeah, Wait, so, so that let was, me just ask you, was that scary? No, because it's like an image that showed up in my mind. It wasn't like I saw the dog outside of me. So it, not it, in your with your physical eyes. Not with my what, physical yeah. eyes. Yeah, it was an image that just popped in. So it's almost like seeing it on a TV screen. It's like watching a video. Is it visceral? Mm -hmm. Is it like a feeling thing too? Like I was wondering when you're saying it's, I yeah. channeled the dog. I was like, Claire, did you, you start went, parking? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Did you start parking? And I just I guess, all I wanted to do was gnaw on the stick. I yeah. guess channeling is not really the right word to say. No, it's like an you know when you see an image like if I ask you to imagine a red apple. Right. You see that image in your mind. Mm -hmm. You don't really see it, see it, but you see it in your mind. So that's how it is. The, the, a little white dog, the image just showed up in my mind. And what you were just talking so. about with viscerally is a, called clairsentient. So feeling it, feeling mm -hmm. it. You know, like what, what's your feeling about something is yeah. clairsentient. Sometimes I do, you know, I do get that. I feel things intuitively. And so mm -hmm. then I put that feeling into words. So if I'm working with someone and I'll feel something and I wonder if, and then I'll ask the question to see if I'm resonating with them. Or yeah, if, you know. I do that too. And I think you probably do that too. I think I've heard you do it as well, where I, I said like, I'm getting this feeling like, I don't know, does this make any sense, right? But, and sometimes yeah. it's because of the connection too with mm -hmm. the client that right. you've got, you've, you're sort of emotionally attuned to them and, and. Well, it's interesting. There's together. a whole uh, dynamic now of, of people that are psychotherapists and psychologists and psychiatrists. And I work with several of them because they are actually wanting to incorporate spirituality and mediumship somewhat into their practice because of what you're saying. They're sitting there in the room with the person. All of a sudden they get this feeling, the dead grandmother's there. And they're, they're actually, they're opening up to their, uh, more. we have more abilities than what it appears is what I'm saying. Yeah. But a lot of therapists, and I'm actually starting a group with working with therapists to help them incorporate that into their what they do it's amazing Sign it's another skill up. good yeah. good, good. It. it's yeah. another skill yeah. so, i love it so and back then, to your question Wendy. well just well so many so many i'm like <laughs> writing i'm gonna be in the moment we should just do interviews that's yeah. what we should oh, just do gosh. well this is kind of what we do yeah it's fascinating so so like when i was a little girl my mom said you know you're very you're, you're psychic and you you you're an old soul you pick up on people's you know vibes and um, I'm just thinking about trauma related to Absolutely. the gift that you have. Whether it's I can tell you how I work with trauma with it. When I'm working with somebody, I will immediately get the impression of something happened at nine. Now, it's a faster way to do therapy. I know. Listen, I'm I know. very she well trained. I, I, it's, I'm, I was very well trained. I know you take your time and you get to the whatever. But for me... I'll go, what happened at nine? Were you, what, something happened at nine? And they'll go, no, nothing happened. And I'm hearing something happened at nine. What, please, what happened at nine? Something happened. And they'll say, well, I never told anybody, but this is what happened, blah, 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 blah. And then it'll come out. And you said, I'm hearing, but as you're pointing that, like saying that example, I always think it's a gut feeling. Mine's a feeling. So yours is, right. Okay. And that's wonderful. That's important to know where you're feeling it you also feel it in your gut mm -hmm. sometimes i feel it in my gut sometimes i actually feel it in my head so it depends on where the the thing is that it has occurred for yeah. me mm -hmm. um but for me it's just an immediate knowing i 
because I've been working, I'm doing this for so long at this point. So it's shortcuts. It's a shortcut. Yeah. Yeah. I always ask yeah. her, but but do you see it? Do you see the people in front of you? Do you see them like Casper the Ghost? Do you see? I mean, well, I do, as you know. Yeah. I mean, she does that with, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, Shirley and I have had situations where she's working with oh people. God. I'm working one time. I was working with someone who, um, they're unfortunately their child had passed away. And so I ushered him out and okay, see you next week. And she happens to come out at the same time. So she sees him and as he walks out and she goes, get some tea. And she goes, Hey, did he lose a two year old girl? And I go, yeah, how do you know? And she goes, Oh, I saw her walk out with him. And I went, Okay, how? Was it like me, like Casper the Ghost? How do you see? Yeah, so and sometimes I see with my physical eyes. Sometimes I see with my third eye. It all depends. Sometimes it presents right like this. And when it does, is that scary for me? Yeah, you bet. Sure, of course. Yeah, because I actually... Initially, I Initially, it's like, yeah, oh my terrifying. gosh. Initially, I was terrified. I mean, literally terrified. Did you think you were having a psychotic break? I did. I did. I, I wasn't... Because I could shut my eyes and still see it. Shut my eyes, open my eyes. That's the true sense of what this is. So imagine if a dead person shows up right now. You're looking at the physical eyes. You shut your eyes to make it go away, and it doesn't go away. Hmm. And then you're, I mean, it's traumatic, actually. It's traumatic. So it, fortunately, most of the time, it occurs either in the dream state with me, which is a great place for visitations and lucid dream, um, or it's in my third eye. And that's just as powerful. And uh, I would imagine that sometimes it doesn't have to come out of uh, trauma, though, right? Or an accident. You mean that gift? Yes. No, there are several ways that I'm aware of, three ways that I'm aware of that the gift comes from. Well, number one, it comes from, um, it's from past lives of working on it and working on it and working on it. And so in this lifetime, you would come into with this, it would, you'd come from a family of it. So it would come from, it's a genetic thing. That's number one. Number two, it could come from, um, an illness. So when I was three, I had encephalitis, which is inflammation of the brain. So now my brain is really changed. That's one way mediumship comes in. And the third way is a traumatic brain injury. And in my case, I had all three. Wow. So that's why it was kind of a kaboom moment for me. And then I was ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? I'm just thinking of all the football players and the I think about brain. them. Well, I work with that. And then one of the first things yeah. I ask anybody that comes in is, have you had a head injury? Yeah. Because I need to know about the brain. I know so much about it, and especially yeah. with working with you in the brain and my own experience with brain functioning. What's up with this person? Um, were they, did they get into a car accident? That'll, you know, put the brain into some other place. Um, so that's one way and another way. But on the other thing, I always ask them if there's been a head injury is, tell me something. Do you have any spiritual experiences? Some are afraid to say something. Yeah. Um, and then some of them will say, well, Yes, this is what happened, but I've never told anybody. Okay, come on, let's share it. Let's yeah, get it out. I may imagine that there's a lot of fear or lot embarrassment or like, uh, what a beautiful thing that your mom was able to re reassure you and validate Especially you and well, bring an it out. I, I'll tell you what's so funny about that. So my mother was a theistic existentialist, but she was a professor at USC in the PhD department for 18 years. Mm -hmm. And she specialized in existentialism. So I was brought up as an existentialist, but she was a theistic which was interesting even for that time. You know, she actually believed in God, but here's what really happened, which was the funniest part of all. After, <laughs> it's not funny, but it's hysterical. She, my poor mom went, what she went through me, with me, it was unbelievable what she went through. Um, because I, I had an energy problem, which we could go into the energy, things would move and then it was awful. So one day my mom sits me down and she says, I need to talk to you about something. She said, um, did I ever tell you that 
my father was a um, a medium and I'm like what what are you talking about <laughs> and her, turns out my mother's father she thought every family did it so she never she was from Alabama she never really ever she left but she never talked about it ever until this started coming out with me and it was by the way two years after it already come out she never said to me Amazing. you know but they used to do seances and my grandfather was it's called a table tipper which means you you know like you use your hands the table you say oh table dance the table jumps up and <laughs> hops up and answers questions and <laughs> anyway uh, this was all news to me and wait I, i'm sorry you lost me for a second the table really jumps yes you're that's correct your no you don't touch it. the table do you no. believe in ouija board stuff I wouldn't use a Ouija board because I just think it brings in low-level energy. She calls them the uh, Hollywood Boulevard. I, I Hollywood Boulevard types that are just <laughs> hanging around. No, I just go straight up to source. I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't deal with that. No. But yeah, I know a lot of teenagers yeah. like to do that. When I was like a teenager, a I would try it, and as soon as I would, my hands would go. It would just lift up. I should have known then that was a problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I should have known then there was a problem. A, I know. Yeah, I never. Slumber party. I was too yeah. Too. No, I, I wouldn't touch them yeah. now. Yeah. So, Doctor Shirley, this did not scare you. <laughs> Just going, circling back again. <laughs> this, I know, I'm sitting here going, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I knew, you know, her mom. And her yeah. mom was so grounded, and matter, matter of fact, yeah. totally. that... It didn't you know, seem all woo-woo. It didn't seem as woo-woo as, I guess, as it's coming sounding. from the outside, you know, you would have... Because her mom was just so grounded. Left brain grounded. You know, left brain yeah. grounded, yeah. So that's why she and I spoke the same language. And then you got into somatic therapy... Well, then I got into Peter using Levine. the body, yeah, which mm. was a lifesaver. But Can you share it with us a little bit about what that is? It's, um, well, I discovered attachment theory, which is also a lifesaver. I mean, it's, it's such, it's like Kelly, which is the beauty between what Kelly does, she looks at it from that perspective, and then I look at it from this perspective, so that's why I said together, you know, we're <laughs> like this um, great team, because we both bring in very different skills, I mm -hmm. mean... I wish I was more in tune like she is, but I think it would scare me too. I mean, she just really comes from that grounding but place. What's, but from, what's okay with me know. and with the two of us, I should say, is that let's say I have a client, and this happened this week. I mean, I had a client that was, I didn't know what to do with. Um, I mean, is there a personality disorder? Was there not a personality disorder? <laughs> I mean, I'm highly sensitive to personality disorders, and I have my own view of that. But this one was, is there anybody home in there kind of a thing? Mm. I can say that, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. No, I mean, I, I was so, so because Shirley's so left brain grounded and so it's into somatic and in the body and trauma, I sent this person over to Cheryl. So it's great to have that so team. do that, yeah. I always refer people who have a lot of loss and believe in that. Then they go to Kelly and stuff. But so I was, I actually took a... It was a cruise, you know, where you get your, like, 20 uh, CEUs, continuing education okay. units, all in one, and it's a vacation and stuff, and it was a cruise to Tahiti. So I go on it, and it was Dan Siegel, and I didn't know who he was. I didn't care what the subject was. I didn't care. I was there with my daughter. It was a vacation. It was a tax write-off, and I got most of my units. didn't matter. And so I'm sitting there, and I actually, this is how I start my book. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, am I going to go jet skiing or am I going to go, you know, yeah. <laughs> kayaking after this mm -hmm. lecture, whatever he's going to talk about, I don't even know. And then he starts talking about attachment. And then I realize he's describing me when he's talking about avoiding attachment. And I went, oh my God, that's me. And so to understand yourself at a different level. And so when I came back, I took everything I could on attachment. We actually did uh, Mary Main and, and Eric... Um, 
uh, what's uh, Hesse, you know, they're the big ones on attachment, oh, disorganized okay. attachment and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mary Ainsworth, Ainsworth started it with Bowlby, but right. So, and then I took everything, and then through my different courses and stuff, um, I learned about somatic and how the body and how you incorporate the body because all the trauma gets stuck in the nervous system in the body. And so I started doing that, and I, you know, met, got in touch with uh, somatic experiencing, which between those two, it completely changed my life. I mean, I see it even in my couple's work. You know, Dr. Stan Tatkin does a great, uh, he created PACT, Psychobiological Approach to Couples Therapy. So when a couple comes in, you're looking at nervous systems, and you're looking at how two nervous systems are reacting with each other. You're not really looking at, you know, the person or the story. Story doesn't matter. If I'm saying something and you're, you know, down-regulating, then she can't hear what I'm saying. So I need to take care of that down-regulation before I can continue, you know. So it's just, it completely changed the way I practice. I mean, healing trauma, car accident, you know, shock trauma if there's not a lot of developmental trauma if you have a really bad car accident or an assault or something and then people get so anxious sometimes they don't want to go out or don't want to drive two sessions and they're driving again it's true Shirley actually has worked with me on a couple of traumas that I've had it's incredible and I was amazed at how much it worked and how effective it worked and how quickly it worked it works yeah yeah and that's not because that's because of somatic experiencing I mean you you learn how to do it and it's amazing so talking about trauma, both of you um, have have mentioned it, and it's been coming up a lot uh, in the past couple of weeks. And even though I always aim for our episodes to be evergreen, there's always <laughs> going to be something that kind of anchors us in this moment. Mm-hmm. And last week we had the Kavanaugh-Ford hearings, yeah. and she was reliving a trauma, or, or many of us believe she was reliving a trauma and going through that. And so I'm wondering what your thoughts were, if you watched any of that, if you saw any of her testimony or his, and just any general well, what thoughts. What I love about what she talked about is what happens in the brain and yeah, how those great. memories and those traumas get solidified in the brain. And, and it's so true when, when one, of, one of them asked her, what's the thing you remember the most? And she said, the laughing, you know, because that's the shame part. And when that you know, when you have traumatic memories like that that stimulate the hippocampus to form the memory, it could be fragmented if it's traumatic, so the emotion may be somewhere else. Like I had someone tell me the most horrific child abuse I had ever heard in my life. When you think you've heard it all, and then someone tells you something. And he was like, he was reciting a, you know, a recipe. So he was desensitized to the story. Completely kind of. disconnected with the emotion that's connected with the story. And so that's in, in trauma, that's what the brain does. It fragments. So the emotion part of it is there, you know, rage at the person who's doing this to me. Um, but it's completely shut down. It's in the, it's kind of locked in the implicit memory, which would be the unconscious, you know, that Freud talked about. Yeah. So it's fascinating. I mean, the way that she described it was just so, and then him, if you, you know, Stan Tatkin loves, um, who is it? The guy, um, who can tell people are lying? Uh, Paul Ekman. Oh, have you guys heard of Paul Ekman? Oh, he does this whole thing on how you can tell, you know, the expression of lying and stuff in Kavanaugh. When they asked him a question, and he wouldn't, he would pause and he wouldn't answer, and then he'd answer with a question to the other person. You know, that's a lie. I mean, that that is. That's a tell. That's a big tell. tell. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. There it's, were a bunch of tell. little tells he had too. There was but, yeah. a bunch of tells. A lot of that water. Cause. That guy drinks lots of water. Yeah. 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 Wishing for a beer at that moment. Yeah. Right, exactly. A beer he doesn't drink. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
Oh. He likes beer. There was yeah. so I much like emotion beer. going no, on to okay. You can like beer. It's yeah. all right. But, yeah. yeah. But, um, so, yeah. So, I was just, you know, the way that she described it. So, people understand that it's, you know, psychological trauma or the symptoms aren't because of a weak mind. It's physiological. It's, it's attached to the body and the mind. It's not, you know, I'm so sick of people thinking that, oh, they can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. Everybody has a breaking point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what yeah. I loved is that uh, Dr. Ford started off by saying, I'm frightened. Yeah. She's just terrified. Terrified. And yeah. uh, just embracing the overwhelming, scary, messy, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Honorable Judge Kavanaugh, uh, you know, just kept talking about he went to Harvard and he went to Yale and he's so blah blah oh, blah. He was, no know, feeling, so just head. Don't get me. I'm trying, but, trying to be kind. So don't yeah. get me started on that. Yeah, uh, it was a petulant four-year-old. It's not fair. She was me. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good imitation. <laughs> his, his facial expression was a petulant four-year-old. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The lack of empathy was a little overwhelming. He turned red, and he was snappy, and really, dif- you know, dis- disrespectful and hostile, mm-hmm. and all the t- a lot of mommy stuff came out from him. I mean, you didn't even have to tell me his history. Right, it's so much mommy projection. All the tells, yeah. all the tells of someone who was lying. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you can, you know, this wasn't the show, so I didn't prepare, but you can right. see ten tells. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Got a secret. Well, and I view it from a state of consciousness. That's how I view everything. So before we incarnate, I mean, this is the bigger picture for me. Before we incarnate, we choose a role in this life. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? So how I believe that she chose a role as this role that she chose to help wake people up. I think he chose that role. I mean, to again, upset everybody, get everybody thinking, get everybody in a different state of consciousness. And that's how I view everything that goes on in it with Trump because people come in and they'll say to me why is he president and I'll say look it, this is a role he's chosen to wake people up he's like a translator you know was, the thing that's mm-hmm. interesting is it's kind of a blessing in disguise because I, I, I I'm looking at the floodgates of women who have just and men right. who have come out and you know on Twitter they say hashtag I never told or something right. and there's so many um, mm-hmm ways but everybody's coming out and it's trigger 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 right. so many people they're coming in to therapy or you know friends are talking everybody is just you know they're not feeling regulated right now they're mm-hmm. just feeling overwhelmed and angsty and moody and it's triggering if it's not their stuff other people you know i mean it's a it's a blessing that now it's opening up mm-hmm. so we can have another conversation. Absolutely. And, and people are starting to deal with things that they've never, you know, there was a lot mm-hmm. of shame and now it's embracing. And that woman on uh, the news with the elevator oh, who yeah. just wow. oh, had yeah. that moment. Wow. I mean, it was such a, yeah. it was so such powerful. A, yeah. Powerful mm-hmm. example of how one person can truly change mm-hmm. the direction. Of well, something. and that he was open enough. Um, yeah to for his heart the guy had a heart some of them don't some of them are very reptilian don't have a heart this guy actually had a heart and he he kept the door open he kept the door open yes yes and the other thing is trying to push the the button like the other thing is i think it's mr coons his friend they were friends now maybe different politically but they were friends how could it would be like if the the two guys in the or the one guy in the elevator but the other senator was his friend 
And it would be like if you and I took different sides, but I saw the look in your eye or you saw the look in my eye, it would be like, oh, right. Oh, I see. It's like a Crips and Blood kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, they, they just came together at that moment. <laughs> exactly. And it's I saw them on 60 Minutes story. Like, you're a shark, I'm yeah. a jet. And, <laughs> and let's dance. Yes. But, but let's have a human moment here. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know. well, but it used to be. It used to be the Democrats and Republicans, you know, had different, had similar ideas because it was about being human and, and taking problems. care of the country, mm -hmm. but they just saw it from different ways or saw how to solve the problem from different perspectives. They work together. Yeah, but yeah now it's just, the, now it's a human issue, so yeah. I truly, and, I, I... And it's really to, to your point, it's really to reach a higher state of consciousness for yeah. everybody. So if you're holding in that kind of trauma from a sexual abuse, which most women and most men, or many men have had, and most women have had, and you hold it in, you hold it in. Yeah, men get sexually abused. Of course as well. they do. Yeah. 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 So have you both seen it? I know Wendy just alluded to it too in your private practices coming up with your clients, just uh, things with this administration and what, you know, oh, all, I mean, you it's something different every day. Yeah. So again, I get yeah. asked that question from a spiritual standpoint why is he here? What happened? They were like, could Every you connect day. to the universe, please? And yeah, just give exactly. Like, and I just, it's for sense. a big, it's a bigger reason. I mean, I, it, it, this is about waking people up. It doesn't matter what the side is. It's about waking you up. So you have to ask your own self the question, where am I with my consciousness? How conscious am I? Well, you have to be conscious, I guess, enough to answer the, to ask yourself the question even. But yeah. in therapy, I always like to check for where they are. And that goes into personality disorders. You know, can some personality disorders have a, a state of consciousness? No. It's, you don't think so? Well, I think they're unconscious. Yeah. I think they can have a state of consciousness, but I but think it's they're an unconscious. It's a lower, low frequency enough. one. Well, they're not connected. Yeah. Like, there's no awareness. I mean, that's the problem with personality disorders. There's no awareness. I actually wrote, it's very funny, I wrote on Bill Maher on Instagram yeah. a thing, because, you know, his show, I mean, I love his show. And I said, you know, every in the, because everybody always complains and bitches about what Trump does and it's infuriating yes but not surprising he's access to cluster B yeah all he four. doesn't change he does not change. all four no. he's a so narcissist he borderline sociopath uh, histrionic mm -hmm. he that's who he is and that's part of his makeup and so I said that on the thing and I said it's you know in the DSM access to cluster B and I named all four and, and so then his final monologue the Friday after that Coincidentally, I'm sure he says we need to we need to realize that he has a mental illness, and he showed the DSM yeah. picture of the DSM on the show and started to talk about narcissistic personality. What pisses me off is nobody's called him a borderline, and he's a borderline. Yeah, he's definitely a borderline. He is such a. I mean, all the name calling, the thin skin, the rage, the, the rage, the splitting people. Right, and the the, the inability to sustain meaningful long-term relationships, right. especially outside his family. I right. mean, so he doesn't have really close friends. No, exactly. And and the um, you know, the 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 mood that goes up and down. I mean, there's so many aspects, the lying, the use of words, extraordinarily awesome and the worst ever. That exaggerated. Yeah. Black and white. The black yeah. and white. And over and over, he repeats himself mm -hmm. over. If you haven't think it's good enough, it's so good. It's so much better. It's like, <laughs> you just can't keep stamping. Well, you know, he's in love with Kim Jong-un now. That, I don't know if yeah. you read that. Like Saw We fell that. in love. Yeah. Like, what? Oh but you know what? So I see him, Putin, Kim Jong-un. I see them all as little boys, like six years old. Oh, and I... 
get the vision of their fathers or their mothers, but definitely, definitely for Trump, the father. A lot of daddy you know, there, you, they, there's a lot of biographies on him and his father just, you know, he's the first man in his life to show him this is what a man is. And so when you pick that up and you just recreate it, I mean, the father felt him with such hate and such, um, yeah, his hostility. father apparently was awful and the mother was an alcoholic, so she didn't protect him. So I just have a little bit of empathy for but, <laughs> Well, you try. Yeah. The problem is that that personality disorder piece, that's the piece that's almost not movable, you know? And I don't know if it's mm -hmm. the, I've been really questioning this most recently. What causes when yeah. you make that flip? People can have characteristics because we're talking about human behavior. Everybody rages once in a while. Everybody, right. you know. Um, but when you flip that switch into the personality disorder world, there's, seems like it's more than just a lack of awareness that causes like us as therapists not be able to move people forward. I mean, the lack of awareness is so key because yeah. if I don't know I'm mm -hmm. doing something, how can I fix it, right? Yeah. Yep. But, but it's... Is there a genetic piece? There is a genetic piece from what they say, yeah. There is a genetic piece. So, you know, an environment, of course. Mm -hmm. But so that's, the, that's, that's yeah. the difficult thing. So then you put someone like that in power and it's just not you know there needs to be more awareness of that and they all have a cookie cutter image it feels to me you know putin and kim Jong -un, well the like other Trump, thing they all lack empathy they all mm -hmm. but what's coming up to me as you guys are talking about this and with what you're saying is the the boundaries and the, the power it's mm -hmm. it's difficult enough to handle people like this in everyday life yeah but then when they're in positions of privilege and power then the lack of boundaries becomes just so apparent and because there's nobody there to say no. There's nobody there them. to well, corral and the, them. And the lack of empathy. I mean, there was an mm -hmm. article written where studies showed that your empathy goes down the more power you get. Well, mm -hmm. isn't empathy, I'm just spitballing here, but kind of uh, like an internal boundary system that we all have? Because if I, if I have empathy for you, then I... I, then I know where your tender spots are and I'm thoughtful about not wanting to you know right. touch them and you know to step on something well that's what you saw in the elevator that was the right. elevator movement yeah that exact thing that you just said Jeff Flake yeah mm -hmm. it was kind of yeah that he wasn't trying to close the door right yeah. there <laughs> Trump he, would close the door absolutely yeah, yeah. And, oh, ha absolutely. and have him shot <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. but see but that's a difference I'm glad that you pointed that out Kel because that is the difference between someone with a personality right. disorder and someone with not a personality disorder right. that's it you know is that you saw him you saw his face the guy in the elevator and when she said look at me when I'm talking to you I mean you saw and he he was there was shame his head was mm -hmm. down totally. he was looking up like that you saw the 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 facial expression of shame, mm -hmm. whereas, you know, Trump, Putin, and all those people, you don't. The problem with Trump is, I mean, I think both Putin and Kim Jong-un are going, okay, this is too easy. Yeah. You know, because he's like this little Labrador puppy that just wants attention, and he'll go wherever attention is, you know, from very important people. Can't just be attention from nobody, doesn't matter. No, they're all stroking each but, other. Yeah. And so it's just too easy. It's a circle jerk. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> nope. So, and, and, and Putin is an extremely intelligent psychopath. I mean, you see yeah. that. You see, the, you see this that reptilian gaze in psychopaths where there's no soul behind the eyes. Oh, Did you yeah. know about that? Dead, flat, disconnected. Yeah, yeah. Flat line. They call it the reptilian gaze. But then I also think about uh, 
I think it was W, uh, George W. Bush saying, like, I looked into his eyes and I saw his soul. <laughs> and I, and my, my, about Putin, he said that about oh. Putin, and I remember thinking, like, but he was head of the KGB. He's probably really, really good at getting people to believe that they are seeing his soul, that that's he is, path, like, right? oh, yeah. that's, that's, right. yeah. that's the charm, yeah. that's the charm yeah. of like, the sociopath. And yeah. putting on the role the that he needs to be in that mm-hmm. moment. And I think Trump does that, too. Um, I don't know that he does it, I think he does it more instinctually, probably, than Putin. I think Putin has more control of his mm-hmm. Trump, skills. Trump just knows how to, he's verbal diary and just knows how to talk and talk and talk. And I don't view him that way because I never watched The Apprentice. But when you see someone on your TV screen every week, you feel a bond to them. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and people they're, don't. They're people you know. They're, they feel right. Like friends. So people don't bring that up as often as I think they should. I think that's why he's gotten so popular. He he was so popular too because he was a guy that people would see in their TV. I well, didn't and watch he would show, look like so no nonsense. And he looked like no exactly. Yeah. I didn't watch that show, so I didn't have that perspective or that connection. But you know, I was kid with Kelly. You know, I mean, if Barry Manilow ran for president. I mean. I'd have to vote for him. I'd have to. <laughs> You're you know? a fan alone. So she's oh. a huge fan alone. I mean, he can do no wrong. So when I compare it to that, then I start to really understand, oh, if I see this person on my TV, for 14 years I think the show went on, right? A long time. And he did present as a no-nonsense businessman, you know, and he was he's a fool. I mean, he's nothing like that. And I just got a feeling. So here you talk about Trump, and then all of a sudden you talk about Barry Manilow, and literally I went... Oh, Barry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, oh, my God. Yeah, you have a friend. Empathy yeah. and love. Yeah, and, oh, my God, taps your soul. But I'm saying you can feel it in yourself, the different feelings. You oh, know? yeah. And, and, and the, the yeah. personalities. And I need you today, oh, Mandy. I watched Celebrity Apprentice, and I have friends who were on it. And everybody I know who've, who's ever been in his presence or have known him i mean he's a vessel right he's he's not a he's not a different person than what we see he's just Mm -hmm. sort of an empty shell it's very much kind of the borderline narcissistic personality the feeling that people get that he's not really bright that it is was all scripted it was all edited it was there's so much yes they'd let him kind of go on and go on and go on but you know but that was part of the character where he played this kind of big you know i mean from mm-hmm. the little things that I saw, but that's the other piece of the borderline. People are stuck on he's a malignant narcissist, but the lack of identity, you know? Right. Eight years ago, he was a Democrat. Now he's a Republican. Scary. You go whichever way the yeah. wind blows. I mean, I used to have this gal, I used to investigate child abuse at night, and, we, and they set us to go together so we wouldn't have to go with the police, and she was like five foot one, and I was five foot two, so that was really <laughs> not dangerous at all. Yeah. And she would change her accent depending on the race of the family we went to go see. We, we saw five families that day, and all of a sudden, in African-American, she'd go into eubonics. And, you know, it's the kind of thing where you're thinking, am I just really hearing that? Or, you know, then we went into, I think it was an Italian family, and all of a sudden she'd become Italian. And then I was like, is she? And she would switch. You know, then I got to know her and stuff and realized that she was borderline for oh. other stuff. But <laughs> That's yeah, what I was figuring. She was switching. I couldn't, she, wow. she was taking on the identity of the people that we were visiting. Really it was the week. There's just no identity there. There's the no talented Mr. There. Ripley. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's the key. So that's why I think he's actually more borderline than 
malignant narcissist. I mean, I think every borderline's a narcissist, but every narcissist isn't a borderline. Yeah. And so yeah. I view more from the borderline perspective than the narcissist perspective. And it pisses me off that no one is saying that. Mm. <laughs> you know, in the media, they're all calling yeah. them now narcissists. But well, they may not have the vocabulary for it, too. Yeah. And borderline, you know, they should have changed the name. Yeah. Nobody really knows what that means. What do you Everyone... think, uh, if you were going to change the name, what would you call it? Run for your life. <laughs> that's what I would call it. <laughs> um, that's a good question because I'm not sure. Somebody once described it to me uh, as pathologically annoying. Oh, <laughs> and it's that's so true. It, it's, to me, it's stronger than annoying. <laughs> I, I, I know, but yeah. I, that I thought was like, okay, that's yeah. an interesting way to say Yes, but oh. it can be. It's a feeling, too. Again, as you all are talking, I'm feeling... When when someone has that flavor, you can feel it. Oh yes, you feel such harshness and such mm -hmm. you, you know the the difference. You can feel the warm fuzzies as you're on the pedestal, and right. then two seconds, the drop. Right. You well, know? that that right. feeling, right. Me. magnetism, where it's almost like you're almost kind of drawn in, like you want to be around this mm -hmm. person, and you're not really sure why, you know, and then. Kaboom. Until it hits. Until <laughs> kaboom. Kaboom. Exactly. Until they lower the boom. Yeah. But that's a good question. I don't know. I think like, like psychopath, that was just a word that was chosen for that. Borderline, I think because it means, you know, being on the border of something. I think that's why it needs to, yeah, somebody but, needs to maybe make up a name for borderline it. Borderline of what? What are you on the border That's of? That's what people ask all the time. <laughs> you know, am I on the border of something? And, you know, so people don't understand that it's just a name for this disorder. It's interesting, too, because I'm thinking about code switching, which is similar to what you're talking about, but it's not necessarily a borderline. Um, it's something that borderlines do which is the changing the language that you're using depending on the audience that you're mm -hmm. you're uh, which is different than to. mirroring. Yes. Yes. And, and and but code switching is like um, like an African American speaking in a more urban ebonics or you know slang kind of patter rhythm uh, when they're around other African Americans, and then speaking very white Anglo with white people, or well, but that's know. different. That's more, you know. I think that that's more like maybe amongst friends, we're talking a little bit less formal, and that's you're talking more like formal yeah. versus. But this is more an identity, like right. around someone who has a southern drawl that same person wouldn't all of a sudden start speaking in a southern drawl. Yeah, if it's a professional person who's Southern, they would still, you know, speak in the professional. And if it was a friend, they might go more into casual talk. Yeah. So, so I, I was just kind of clarifying that because I think a lot of us do do that, just what you're saying, right? Like we're more casual and we're kind of just kicking it with people that we know. And uh, I also noticed when I go home to, when I go home, I've lived here 30 years now. When I go to Michigan, uh, for a couple of weeks and I come back, my Midwestern accent has upped, right? Mm -hmm. It's very, it's new, neutral. It's a lot more neutral now, but I'll come back and I'll be a lot more, I'll be talking a lot more through my nose and my, <laughs> oh, so my funny. A's will be a lot flatter and stuff like that. But I don't notice it, mm -hmm. but it kind of kicks in when you're surrounded by people who are 
talking like that. So I guess I just kind of want to normalize for those people who might be listening and say, oh, you know, oh, shit, I do that. Am I, you know, like, oh, like well, I was yeah, in no. England and yeah. I, I realized I was saying, you know, chips or, you know, that they would right. <laughs> start saying yeah. certain Hello. things. Hello. <laughs> yeah, no, that's more, you know. but you're right. I'm glad that you're clarifying because with the borderline, it's about identity. Yeah. Right. So they they kind of become the identity of... They swoop somebody else's identity. Right. So, like, mm-hmm. when you're talking about having the DSF up on the, the screen on um, Bill Murray the other night, it, it also reminded me of, you know, when we're all studying, when you're studying psychology, how everything that you study, mm-hmm. it feels like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. I'm this. Oh, my God, I, I, I'm bipolar. Oh, my God, I'm a narcissist. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, you know, you just <laughs> think you're everything. Right. Completely. And I'm that's autistic. why it's important to, to understand, I mean... Everything in that book is about human behavior. It's just when it, you know, when it goes overboard and when it starts to get, you know. And I think we had this conversation, like, I don't like diagnoses. I see the importance of them and how they help us have conversations like this, a clinical conversation. Obviously, if, if you're dealing with insurance and doctors and medications and, you know, really extreme cases, but everything looks so different for the individual that... You know, uh, sometimes I feel like people get too attached to their diagnosis or too um, entrenched in that. It's limiting. Yeah. 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 Often. You know, I think I use it kind of as a framework. Yeah. I mean, if I know someone's a borderline, then I'm going to make sure that I set very clear boundaries Mm -hmm. all the time. And so that's just kind of information. I'm not, you know, if they don't have one of the nine characteristics that's prominent okay so that's it's on a continuum but i know kind of how to proceed a little bit and for me i look at it as where is the soul right now what is the soul needing to learn why is the soul so anxious right now what happened to this soul that's causing so much anxiety did the soul was the soul born with this kind of anxiety was i so i kind of view it on a different lens well bigger picture bigger picture thing yeah bigger picture it's like a genogram for spirituality yeah it is like a genogram. Spirituality, yeah. yeah. awesome. well, right. What, I like that. Yeah, That's what Kelly brings to the table so beautifully. It's like, you know, what did you come here doing? So when you can even look at your own life from that mm-hmm. bigger perspective, it really helps mm-hmm. to make changes, you know, that we look at it more from a, you know, from a smaller perspective. Yeah. As a therapist, she can look at it from a bigger a perspective. Bigger picture. And sometimes I'll consult with with her Mm -hmm. so she can help me look at whoever I'm working with from that bigger picture and help guide from that standpoint Mm -hmm. as opposed to the smaller one so it's and vice versa Mm -hmm. I'll have the bigger picture and I'll go uh, how do we move them from A to B (laughs) right like I see what the problem is right what's the Where's Waze? Where's, yeah, where's Waze? Waze. Right? Psychology Waze right, would be yeah. fabulous. That would be like awesome. Yeah. Like a fast Write way Write that get down. There. That's yeah. a great that. one. That's great. So, and I know we've talked a little bit about the gut feeling that people have, but are there any other signs that kind of come up when we're having this conversation about how somebody knows when they're maybe dealing with one of these difficult personality types, the borderline, the narcissist, the sociopath, other than just one's kind of gut feeling... You said they're very charming and they're pulling you in. Shirley mm-hmm. was kind of talking about yeah, that. Yeah, we were talking about her mom, you say. We were talking about, like, the spell of the sociopath. And she goes, oh, honey, they still get me once in a while, you know. As a matter of and fact, that's very true. They do. That's they, so humanistic well, and um, honest. Well, I'll tell you what my say. mom used to yeah. say to me. And two things. She would say, you can never have more than two borderlines in your practice because you only have two breasts. <laughs> oh, my God. I love right? That. 
I should have put that on the quote on the back because that was that would have offended some people, but it's a truth. The other thing she said to me, which I do all the time, and this is why Shirley and I had this I had a situation over the last few days with a client because um, if I'm seeing the client and the client is telling me about let's say the husband or the child or the this or that and or whoever it happens to be. And I'm knowing that the person she's describing is a personality disorder, I don't care what it is, borderline, psychopath, sociopath, any of the above. And then that person, and she says to me, would you see this person? No, nope. my mother always said, no, do not see them because you will get sucked in to the charm, to the whatever. So I send them to Shirley. Because <laughs> you don't get sucked in as easily? No, no, because she's already seen one of... One of the family members is what your point right. was, right? right when she's right. seen one of the family members, yeah. would you yeah. see this other family member? No, um, I don't need to. I don't, don't want to. You know, it used to be where I had that kind of idea that everybody can be helped because that's what we right. are right. to believe. But then, you know, then the idea of life is too short <laughs> showed up. And so there's some people I just won't see. And some people that I really don't think, you know, we also have to know our limitations. I really don't think that you can move people who have a personality disorder too far. Now, if there's some awareness, I've worked with people who were, you know, but they have a little bit of awareness, and so you can move them, you know. Wendy loves the difficult cases. She's like, But I won't on. take too many. I won't take too many borderlines. I won't take. I, I just... You know, when <clears throat> sometimes when they call and say, now I'm borderline, I've been diagnosed, and that's just different. wanted you to know that, yeah, that that's is so that's refreshing. amazing. Oh, because yeah. a true rare. borderline, so right. with that, you know, the, the, typically they don't say that. Right. No. That itself would just be too wounding. It would just right. be yeah. too fragile yeah. to even say that. So, uh, yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, you know, that that's different. Yeah. And yeah. what I do is I work with a lot of people who have a borderline as a parent okay. or as a, you know, <coughs> spouse, and I help them. You know, I was seeing this teenager who was sent to me because he became depressed. It was um, mold mm -hmm. and couldn't play sports anymore in high school. So he was seeing with me. The more he talked about his mom, the more I realized, oh, she has a borderline. So without telling him that, I started to kind of give him tools on how to deal with the mom. And he was coming every week because he was loving it because he was getting along with the mom a little bit better because of these different tools. And so the mother was like, you know, he really loves coming to see you. And he's like this big jock, you know, that would never want to go to therapy. And I'm thinking in my head, because I didn't say it out loud, I thought, yeah, because I'm teaching him how to deal with your crazy ass. Right, yeah. <laughs> so I, I do a lot. And that... I enjoy because I'm sure everybody's had this where you kind of realize a parent is a borderline or something and you tell the person that and you see them, oh, I thought it was me. Right. I mean, the load you take off of them. So true. Because Especially the younger, think younger you. people, too. Oh, yeah. that's, that's, they're so ready to believe that it's them. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. because the behavior is so, is so out of the norm. That it's so egregious. Even when, it's so egregious that even as a spouse you think is it me am i doing something and that's my tell you know anytime mm. you kind of think back and go is it me or did i just you might be dealing with the yeah. person with a personality disorder it's mm. kind of like what was that comedian jeff foxworthy right. would say oh, you know then you're dealing with the you might be a redneck you might be a redneck <laughs> so you know yeah. if you ever question yourself did i just am i you most likely are dealing with a personality <laughs> disorder yeah 
I'm so visual, so I always get uh, the feeling of like back in the '90s there was Poison, the the perfume. Yeah. Oh. And I always just feel like you can get a big spray of something really strong, and you know that you know something happened. It's not just your stuff, you know. Right. Yeah. That you walk into a room and it's just that poison. Um, it's the yes. perfume. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just I a big strong whiff. <laughs> And it's just like the green. It's bomb. all over you, but it's not yours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's true. That's a really in, uh, yeah, I like helpful that. metaphor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you're walking into a cloud of somebody <laughs> else's odor. <laughs> yeah, oh. and so well because it helps you distinguish or fragrance you between yeah, especially yeah. when they come in with such negativity. That negative thing, you know, the borderlines have that real negative piece. I, I makes me want to just run, hold my breath when I'm in a session. You know. So, so you're talking about tools. So, so obviously, we have the advantage of being able to say no to borderline clients. If you, um, but the problem is, if you get a client in and they present, oh, my life is great. Da, 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 however, they present, they don't present borderline necessarily. And then it's well, that's a few sessions, and then and you're like, oh the my carpet. god, right, right, I'm right. In. right. That's when you. Oof. That's when you. Um, you know, those are the ones that trick you, yeah. like the sociopaths. But, but at the same time, eventually, treatment will end, or as with many borderlines and narcissists, they will split, and they will literally split. They'll be like, "You're terrible." Abandon you know, I found somebody you. awesome, yeah. and you, you know, Very I was true. talking to somebody else, and I'm gonna go there. Oh, but they'll come back, right? Well, just to slap yes, you some more. Exactly and right. You. Right. Yeah. Can I right. can, can I mess with you some more? But what about people that you can't that you can't get away from like yeah. siblings or children or parents or parents a boss. yes that's yeah a good one. so siblings so you're talking rough. about tools that you give so what are some what are some ideas that we have for people about how to manage these people in your life I mean unfortunately with four <laughs> lines depending on how low functioning they are some people I've had a few that just can't talk to them anymore mm-hmm. and so we work with that you know, we work with that piece of how that is. But for borderline, I mean, it's just setting boundaries. Always being, never being relaxed. Never. around them because the minute that they see that. That's right. Yep. They'll go in. There are not enough drugs or not enough alcohol to take to be with them. <laughs> you know, really. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. You it's, can try to dummy down your life force and you just can't do it. There's just not enough. Mm-hmm. No. So from a spiritual standpoint, how would you describe how my lot in run? life <laughs> with it I have this uh, situation in my family with borderline and it's very difficult so I view it as what have I learned from this person constantly she's my greatest teacher constantly my greatest teacher it's I've learned um, to set boundaries I've learned um, that there are loving moments I've learned that uh, there are horrific moments I've learned to try to calm myself. I've learned to take a bigger picture. Again, what is she teaching me? And and then there are times that I can't see this person. And then there are times that I really can't wait to see this person. It's well, that's it's a struggle. It's a struggle. But yeah. it's helped me in my practice. I'm, I feel like I'm a borderline whisperer. Like, honestly, <laughs> I can detect them pretty quickly now. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty fast. Yeah. I, they, they have a look about them, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so I, I can get that pretty quickly. But it's yeah. all because of the situation I was dealt from the beginning. But, again, I believe that we choose our 
families before we incarnate. Mm -hmm. We do. We choose our mother, our father, our sister, our brother, everybody we choose. Why would I choose chosen that person? Well, probably a lot of karmic stuff involved there. I think that there's a lot of trauma that this person had. Mm -hmm. um, and I chose to help her see, bring in light to her. This person will tell you that I am, uh, I have showed her a lot of light. She will tell you that actually. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is a blessing. I have to say it is a blessing once you embrace it and accept it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's someone in my family who struggles with that and another person-ish. <laughs> and we, 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 we educate, we talk about it, and our, you know, it's kind of like agree to disagree where nobody needs to pathologize anyone. Um, we can be there to validate the reality of kind of the crazy roller coaster that we go on. Yeah. And then we always say apple, apple tree. So that, you know, if there's many flare-ups, we, we know where it came from. And, and we have tremendous empathy. Because, yeah. you know, when you come from uh, a mother or father or aunt or uncle who struggles with that, well, they don't struggle. We all else. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, it's it's heartbreaking. It's, it's heartbreaking. heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. Well, when you, yeah. When you, yeah, when you tune into the, um, to the trauma piece, because I know that there's this uh, trainer out there that says it's all genetic, but study of epigenetics clearly demonstrates that it's environment too you can have a genetic predisposition so it is it comes from severe trauma and from what I understand you know in lectures with Dan Siegel and stuff it's it's trauma between zero and two so it's pre-verbal trauma mm -hmm. and the brain has two you know two loops you know one is a very primitive one where you run away from danger Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and so you hear something that's dangerous and you run away from it. So that innately, that's what we're programmed to do. But then there's another loop that you run towards the attachment figure, the person that you're, all mammals attach. So like your dog, you know, loves you above any one of us in here because he's attached to you. Or she. And so that's the dynamic with the borderline is, you know, something is scaring me, so I'm running away from it. But the person I want to run to as a two-year-old is my mom and you know in the case that i'm but she's the one scaring me so it's these it's these two two loops in the brain that are going against each other which is why i think that black and white thinking the you know yeah i'm running towards i need to run towards you because you're my attachment to me, but you're the one that's scaring me you know yes. so it's this weird kind of back and forth which is that book i love you don't i, I hate me. you don't leave me yeah it's yeah. that dynamic yeah, so um, both of my parents, as I know I've, I've shared with both of you, have these tendencies. One of them is borderline with narcissistic tendencies. One of them is narcissist with borderline mm -hmm. tendencies. Um, and a lot, like what you were saying, Kelly, too, um, I, have, I have come to appreciate what I can from both of them. And the difficult part personally for me is that I live very far away from them, which is, which is self-preservation, mm -hmm. but it's also difficult for me to kind of be okay with that sometimes because there's that, that push pull that you're talking about and not because I'm looking for the comfort, but because that there is that expectation. And I see this with clients a lot as well, you know, where it's like, well, you're, you should have this relationship with your parents. You should take care of your parents, especially when they're getting older and they're aging. Dan, call when people say that. Times yeah. a day, I it's them. like, well, you know, well, that's just what you do. You take care of them when they're sick. You go, and meanwhile, they're, they're miserable. You know, the clients, everything else in their life is falling apart. Um, and they're not taking care of it because they're, that's, you know, yeah. At, 
these expectations that people have, and and I admit, you know, that I get twinges of those sometimes too. Where <laughs> you like call them flare-ups. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, but that's where responsibility. To, that's where the left brain comes in. That's yes. where you need to invite the left brain in and remind yourself of all those things. I don't believe that you that a blood relationship is the end all be all. I I concur. It's <laughs> you know it's how the person is in your life. You know, and so if that person, you know, like since we're kind of talking personally, my dad, engineer brain, not emotional, says I love you now, which is kind of weird because he's 89. I'm like, fuck, why are you saying that now? Um, so, but sweetest man alive, he would take off his shirt to give it to you. So I go visit him and I do what I need to do because it's what I'm supposed to do. That connection really isn't there because he's an engineer kind of Asperger's. But he's a he's a lovely person so I do it because it's the right thing to do and because you know he's a nice person if he wasn't nice I wouldn't do it I just wouldn't there's sometimes where you just have to draw the line especially when they wreak havoc in your life you know when you're talking yeah borderline narcissist I mean that's not that's not a joke no it's, and that's it's so really difficult painful and hurtful and and I yeah. you know but I find myself personally um, I I think some of my guilt actually has less to do with him too, and I'm I'm, t I'm sharing this for other people who might have a similar circumstance. Is is around my siblings who live closer and carry the weight of it. Oh yeah. But they also, you know, I also have to recognize their choice, you know, and that That's they that there's there's choice there's true. choice all all around, um, and it's not my responsibility. Um, but that's that's the piece of it that for me I think uh, kind of jabs the deepest is that it's, that feeling of I, I I don't want to deal with it but I hate the thought that anybody else has to deal with it either but at yeah. the same time I don't want to be some kind of an emotional or psychological martyr on this either. like I'll it, do it it's true I mean it's a fine line and I think that that you know when you talked about tools if you're in that situation to have a lot of support yeah. to have your own therapist that you can talk to that's impartial to use your friends and your support system because we you need do. a lot of we support. We use a lot of humor, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. humor is big. You need a lot of support for yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you guys know, a friend of mine is a geriatric psychologist, and this is just funny, and it's, well, it's true, based on what you were talking about, that most old aging homes are full of personality disorder people because the kids don't want to bring them home, particularly the borderlines, because they wreak havoc in their own family. I mean, they'll get the wife between the husband and to fight with each other and so most people in old age homes are personality disordered and so you see the borderline splitting the nurses against each other which is kind of it makes sense given what we're talking about and how much they wreak havoc and they don't get better and they no, it gets worse it gets worse yeah, that's what happens worse. with personality disorders because it's the same loop uh-huh over getting strengthened over and over because there's no learning there's no awareness yeah when you talked about the borderline who called you and said i've been diagnosed as borderline i would take that person oh, yeah. because i know yeah. there's a little bit of yeah. insight i worked yeah. with one and from a somatic standpoint that would rage and she said you know she's sitting there with her boyfriend who's took her to the best restaurant her favorite restaurant and gave her the gift that she really wanted and she goes and i was sitting across from the table wanting to bite his head off I was feeling so much rage and you look at her background and so and so what I taught her to do is to notice it and start to regulate herself so she wouldn't lose it on him and so that's how I worked with the borderline because there is so much rage check in with your so body with that to, yeah. in that situation that's interesting do, do you 
feel like the client was struggling to accept what she had asked for, that somebody had seen her, heard her, was attending to her needs, and that that was so foreign to her that it made her angry in some yeah. way. Like, don't be what I want you to be because then you're not being what I expect you to be, which is uh, somebody who doesn't come through. Or... That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make, So you know... then that's the reparenting, right? That's the attachment work that you do with right. your clients is that it's okay, I'm not going to shame you, there's a little baby part in you, that that feeling was meant to go towards, and now you're in adulthood, and now projecting it onto that person. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, if they're aware enough and you can explain that to them so they can get it, yeah. I mean, I remember it always, I need to understand something, which is why the somatic piece, because it's all based in neurobiology, I really got it. Once, then I can trust it, and I can go with it. So if someone's aware enough, you can say that to them. Mm -hmm. Otherwise... It's just teaching them to regulate that rage, and then can you take that in? Can you take that right. gesture in? Because you have to, you have to expand your tolerance for positive, totally. just as much. If you haven't had a lot of experiences, yeah. your ability to take in the positive, even though you say you want it, you know, yeah. you can't take it in. So we did a lot of that. We did a lot of can you take it in? What does it feel like when you take it in? And then you'd see the rejection, you know. And so then we'd work on that piece. It's like they have this feeling and they're like, I don't want to feel this. And I want to throw it at the person around. Like, I'm feeling rage right now because you're loving me. So I'm going to throw it to you because I don't right. want to feel it. Or I don't want to feel it or I don't know what that is. Right. Like, well, what, that's like, this is well, What does that even feel yeah. like? I know like what anger alien. feels like. But what does, you know, what does love, love trust, feel like? intimacy. You know, and so when yeah. people really get into it, you feel the warmth. They, the first thing they'll say is, warmth in my chest yeah. well I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday about something about this about their partner and um, and trying to explain to uh, this person how their partner was having a difficult time accepting being loved and accepting uh, getting something positive and that for people who aren't wired that way or are programmed in some in an unusual way, or not, I guess it's not really unusual, but in this in this way, that it's painful. That's actually like it can be physically painful to be loved, mm -hmm. to be held, to be mm -hmm. uh, complimented, to be encouraged, and it, it feels it's it's just like you're talking about that 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 rage inside. It, it just feels so foreign to them that. Like you're saying, the person who's saying, is it me? Is there something I'm supposed to be doing or not doing? And they're trying everything. And that almost makes it worse for the person in a way. And it doesn't mean that they shouldn't be trying everything, obviously. But it also is about the person that they are trying everything with. You know, that I think that uh, people who are damaged in these ways. And, and I think, I, I know in my own in my own experience that I've, I've had to get used to like I'm I'm incredibly stupidly happily married and I've had to learn over time and not just from him but you know other people before him and then ultimately led me to him um to accept to be open to that because when you, you know we're also talking about the boundaries you know when you live with people who are difficult then it also, and you, especially when you grow up with them as children, then you become programmed too to protect yourself, and then you so find yourself maybe protecting yourself from healthy people as oh, well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Does that is that sound? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> Makes total sense. Yeah. And yeah. I think the therapy part is so beautiful because it really is 
rewiring and teaching that a warm, loving, intimate feeling is not threatening, you know, to undo the wires and put them in a healthy, loving way. Right, absolutely. And that's the beauty of, you know, the last 20 years of uh, neuroscience is that you can rewire the brain. Mm -hmm. So that idea of you can't teach an old dog new tricks is bullshit. Yeah, it's <laughs> and a it's lie. just practice Yay. too. And, uh, you know, the spiritual aspect as we're talking about attachment and um, often when I work with people who have lost someone, mm -hmm. uh, grief and loss, a lot mm -hmm. of suicide, I work with a lot of teens and um, physical abuse, it, it doesn't really matter, but, you, you know, um, often my people will say, I can't feel my mom anymore, I can't feel my dad anymore. Mm -hmm. And so we work on that. I work on attachment. I'm, I mean, I'm so curious, Kelly, what you mm -hmm. do because I want to learn more. I think I'm doing some of it without knowing I'm doing some of it right. because I'm just so a feelings person that I, right. I have to come from my gut feeling. Okay. Um, so, so the first thing is, do you want to connect with your parent? Do you want? Can you? Do you? Do you want that? A lot of times they say, well, it's, you know, a lot of judgment. I can't. It's, that's life. Well, there are several things. I mean, this is a big topic. So there are a lot of things that I can, I'll try to scale it down um, a little bit. Yeah. But, um, and I specialize in suicide, completed suicide. So often, and anybody on the other side that when they come into, when the people come in to see me for a reading, um, and there's been a completed suicide or depression or bipolar or whatever it happens to be because I'm a psychotherapist, I get those issues. So I'm not a, a medium where if there's somebody's been murdered, I don't know anything about that. So it's not my forte necessarily at all. But uh, anytime there's been any sort of emotional, um, psycho psychological issues, I would be the one often that a soul will come to. So I just kind of want to start there. But um, as far as the soul who's passed, they are always around always so if you're thinking about them they are right there with you if you are thinking about them you you know you're driving and you see a license plate my mother's name her nickname was Lou L-U so I'll be driving and I'll, I'll be thinking about her and sure enough it happened yesterday the license plate in front of me L-U something I'm like oh mom <laughs> um, they come and visit us in our dreams it's a great place for them to visit now having said that I had a situation with my own self the other day so my father died five years ago and when he died five years ago, I wasn't as attached to my dad. So talk about attachment. I loved him, you know, uh, but I wasn't attached like this, like my, I was with my mother. So when my father died, I had many, many dreams with my dad where he would come and he would, they were hilarious. My dad was very funny and he was a musician. So they were always musically based and very funny. And I loved looking forward to the dreams that I would connect in the other side with him. But what happened to me recently, was it last week? It was a two week, weeks two ago. weeks ago. Yeah. My mother died in April, and I've always said to people, oh, they're going to come to you on the other, they come from the other side, and they're going to be in your dream, and you'll have a visit with them, which is all true. But what happened to me that I wasn't aware of is that when my mom finally came to me two weeks ago, now I could feel her around, but I had my own sadness. So often with your clients, they may have such deep sadness that they may not feel that that loved one is around. I promise you that loved one is there. Mm -hmm. But with, in my case, I had this dream with my mom, and I, we were having lunch with my husband. The three of us were having lunch, and it was so lovely, and I was so happy. And then I realized in the dream state that she had passed. 
I was so upset that I said, no, please don't leave me. Don't leave. You know why? I mean, I was so upset. I cried in the dream. I woke myself up. I cried for what? 48 hours. I was a wreck. Now I didn't expect that. I never thought, saw that coming, but I was very attached to my mom. Um, so on the other side, they're always around us. There's other work they do on the other side as well. So, I mean, that's a whole topic right there. I mean, they have a life over there. Uh, there's no such thing as death, just the release of the body, but there's no such thing as death. The loved one is always around them. If they say they can't feel them, you know, maybe they have started to move on too. And it's okay. They're busy. They're busy. <laughs> They're busy. But I guarantee if you're sitting there. It's not all about you. It's right? not all about you, you know. They got you, other people to tend to. Well, they do, you know. And in, in this case, um, the that there is in fact my mom is so funny I all of her patients had called me and said I've had dreams with your mom and I, I mean it's hilarious and I was like but I haven't you know and then I did and then I was like fuck me because I was so upset but um they're always around so you would always want to encourage them to know that they're if they're sitting in a deep meditation or just sitting still they can actually feel them come through they can just and it, it, it is um it's a normal process to not feel them for a period of time and then when they come back it's all normal and i feel so just this one client with her mom Mm -hmm. i literally feel when the mom is with us and as she leaves that strong feeling leaves too it's fascinating yeah that's it that is it exactly so this just came up while kelly was talking about her mom was that I had this feeling that, you know, we're talking about other people and your her other clients going to see these other mm-hmm. clients. And I had this feeling that your mom, that it was harder for her to go and be with you. It was easier for her to be with the other clients because she's still sad. Because her sadness Absolutely. is, is Oh, well I got chills yours. on that. Very good. Right? Oh, right. yeah. That, that was actually, great. Yeah. That yes. To me, that... that that's like if it were a session i'd be like so this is coming up in me well you know it's That's... funny before my mom passed away she did not know she was dying and she'd been dying for quite some time with cancer but she didn't couldn't go there for so many reasons her ego would not allow it but before she got as sick as she did we would have these conversations and they were really deep conversations before the chemo took over and she literally wasn't in her right mind if you will but before that, she would. I'd say, well, we'll be able to connect, connect all the time. We'll talk all the time, and and that's one thing to say, and it's another thing to do because of the sadness, because of my own deep, deep sadness and her own sadness. Uh, you know, we were two, we were uh, bonded beyond, oh, beyond. Two it, it, yeah, I mean, we looked alike. We were always exactly together. Yeah. I mean, more so than her husband, more so than any of my siblings. It was yeah. us. It was always just us. I mean, people would have to break us apart. Mm-hmm. I mean, for 85 years, they would have to break us apart. Yeah. So it's definitely easier for her to go to other people. Mm-hmm. And um, I know we're just trying to, yeah, yeah, that's a great thing. And I, I know that we're just trying. She actually came to me in a dream state last night, and, and we were actually having a good laugh over it. Oh, good. So we were, I mean, I there. so there's work on the other side as I'm here and she's there. And I know she's my guide, and we all come in with spirit guides. But the fact that you can pick up the mother... It is actually happening. You are picking up the mother. And the fact that you picked that up, that was my mother. That was So what they do is they send us a thought. So especially when you're starting off like this, you're both wildly, literally sensitive and psychic. So as the, they project a thought on the other side into us, wherever, it might be a feeling, it might be a smell, 
that's a big thing too. It could just be a feeling of, I have to say this, but, you know, was there, like with you, was there a white dog, blah, 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 or in this case, you know, God, I just felt like your grandmother was touching your face or any of those things. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because I think sometimes, or I should ask you, um, do you feel like sometimes people, because they don't want the separation again, that they will put that off of even calling them in, if oh. that makes sense? Excellent point. Yeah. Excellent yeah, point. They don't want to yes. be abandoned again. Yeah. That's it exactly. Yeah. That is it. Or that they won't be able to it's bring too it painful. in and tap it in. It's very painful, you know, to have the awareness that you're not going to see them for a period of time. Right. Now, I will tell you, I promise you, when it's your time, whoever is your loved one, the call goes out six to eight weeks in advance so even if it's suicide even if it's a car accident there's no such thing as a you know oh i had no idea they all know on the other side there's a call that goes out oh so and so will be here and then that loved one on the other side will be there to you're never alone when you um leave this vessel you're never alone they're always there to to get you and in my case my biological father was there to get my mother and i had we happened to be present I knew this was going to happen. I told my mom in advance, believe it or not. Um, it was hard because she has a second husband who was hovering over there and who I love very much. We love very much. But I knew that my dad was coming in to get her. And uh, that's really what happened. So when I ever get psychic readings, which is very different than what you do, you I say? do psychic readings. I do mediumship. So when, I, when people come in to see me as for a reading, I work with why did you incarnate? So what is your purpose? So the, that's the first thing I'm going to go to is why you you know why did you incarnate? Uh, whoever the loved ones are on the other side, I bring them in or they they're hovering about. I don't bring them in. They're hovering about, and I just start listening to them and start giving information. And then I look at a year or so of what's going on in your life. Wow! So you just like uh, I kind totally of just put it all together. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, some I was... people want to stay for therapy. I always get my grandmother, wherever I am with a psychic reading, they'll say, who's Shirley Schwartz? And I go, that's my grandmother. And they say, she's funny. And she was. She was this little. Well, so with um, the the grandparents, they've been on the other side longer. And so they often open the door for us. So sometimes a grandmother will open the door for a little boy who's passed away. And, And that's another thing, too. When children pass away, they grow up in heaven. They actually do. They have. Oh. They sometimes they only want to be here for a certain amount of time. It's heavy. Yeah, yeah. it's heavy. It is heavy. I work Very a lot heavy. with that. So, yeah. to kind of relate this to the other stuff that we're talking about, do people with personality disorders continue to have their personality disorders after they pass? Yes. 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 So, so do they continue it, like so, so, so all yes. those boundaries that you had are they more difficult? So to here's enforce? what happened. The reason we come to this dimension is to grow our soul. So our soul will expand. That's why we come here. So if you pass with a personality disorder, you don't automatically get there and go, oh, I don't have, I'm free at last and everything is great. It doesn't really work that way. You actually pass with that personality disorder. So what happens? You then on that side, you start to expand your awareness. You can either do it here in a physical body where it's pretty intense. This is an intense school we are here in. Or you do it on the other side and where it's loving and easier. and But it takes, you know, time. And there's a lot of love that is that you, and then you will go through your, you do a life review when you passed. And so you will see everything that you have done harm to other people. You will actually feel it and understand it. That'll help wake you the heck up fast. <laughs> so more yeah. work to be done. Oh, Full this cycle. is just one place. 
This is just one place. I, I, in this dimension, for some reason, I've, I really believe this, especially now that Trump's in, I think we're only allowed to get so far here. You know, like, like that's why I think borderlines come in and personality disorders come in, just to keep us on our toes to expand our awareness. And I think they've chosen that path because, frankly, they're, they're here to wake people up. So I feel I have a lot of empathy for them. That's how I view it. Now, what do you think if someone says, oh, that's all mumbo jumbo? Oh, Pro- I, I don't care. To yeah, oh, I don't what care. What do people say? Prove it to I me. have heard that. I just, I, I don't, it's not my thing. Any, I mean, I don't want to, I don't have to prove anything to anybody. Yeah, no, I don't not care. About, this is, yeah, yeah, it's not about I, convincing I'm, people. No, I, I don't have an ego in the stake in that. I, okay. it's, I mean, yeah, and that's, no. yeah. I, mean, I keep positive I, people around me. Yeah. When uh, I came out and started working with her. Oh, know, yeah. I know my colleagues at UCLA were like, <laughs> and I don't give yeah. a shit. Yeah. Because it is. I even see it from the perspective of, I mean, I've seen it, so I know it's real. But even from the perspective of even like hypnosis, if it's your mind making up a story that helps you move forward, I mean, that's what we're trained to do to help people move right. forward so their quality of life mm-hmm. is better. So if that's what it is, then that's fine. It's not. Yeah. I know it's not. And I don't, you know, I just, not everybody again, is I just there. don't care. I don't care. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. Yeah. So I grew up... Um, I grew up believing in everything because I was afraid that whatever I didn't believe in would turn out to be what was real. Uh, and because of the people that I grew up around um, and in the arts, I it was very emotionally charged. Everything was. I was very programmed because of my environment and the people around me to respond in these emotional ways because I was mirroring my parents you know I was I was doing I was I was doing the behaviors that I was was role modeled yeah and then I realized like uh, each each time you are realizing like oh that I don't like how that feels I don't like that you know what I'm getting back from that as opposed to somebody who's truly a borderline who they don't give a shit and they actually might like that feeling of whatever it is they're like oh I like that I made that person really more irritated or right um and then when I uh, I guess when I was in my early 20s, that was when I discovered cognitive therapy in Albert Ellis and became very um, focused on left brain. Mm-hmm. And I'd always been very mathematical, but in my family that wasn't valued, so <laughs> it wasn't, uh, and, and I was always analytical, and I was always trying to figure out the pieces of how things fit together. And that was the piece that had been missing for me. It was sort of the left brain. Mm-hmm. And so then I overcompensated in that way for a very, very long time. And so I'm always interested in sort of how the pieces fit together now. And, you know, being Marvin and like, like Dr. Shirley was saying, you know, how I, I would never want to take away somebody's faith um, if it's this positive thing that is working for them and is a tool and it's, you know, it's not for me to say what's right or wrong in these moments. It's more about what's going to help this person. Right. And, yeah. um, and then you know what your own experiences are as well. And you, you don't have to convince everybody. Right, you don't have right. To convince I mean, when I... When this gift came out, um, it would have been easier to, to be gay. It would have easier, been easier to come out gay. I mean, it was uh, really rough initially. It was really rough. So I had to find a lot of support around me, and James jumped in and uh, really helped me. I mean, he happens to be gay and a psychic, so that's a really rough. Um, I mean, it would have been, but he just takes it on, and he. I've just learned to. it doesn't matter. I mean, I, my mom supported me so much. I know what I see. I know what I work with. Um, 
I'm not everybody's cup of tea, clearly. Mm -hmm. And I don't care. Yeah, you know, that's I, the that's the beauty here. Frankly. I say to my audience, well, I, my audience, I, I say fuck the audience to all my clients that worry about Absolutely. everything. Because like I say, you know, if it's not your cup of tea, that's okay. Yeah. And a lot of therapists people. in this town. Go see them. Yes, yes exactly. Well, yeah. I have referrals for you. I get right. it. Right. And when you say, you know, if people are bothered by that, mm -hmm. then why? And work, you know, yeah, what work is that on that about piece. That what is right. that about? Yeah. Yeah, and for me, because I, uh, as a narrative therapist, and uh, existential is a big thing for mm -hmm. me as well. I, I'm always trying to find out what's what's the story that you tell yourself about this as well. Mm -hmm. Like, what is, where does this come from? Who else who else believed this, and how are you connected to that person? Or maybe you know, what's the attachment like to that person? But what is, what's the story behind this? Why is this important for you? to identify this way, to believe yeah. this thing. Well, and I, I'm just fascinated. I mean, I'm always asking her questions, and then this, and then, but, 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 how did you get this? Did you hear it? Did you, you know, I mean, I'm just so fascinated. It's, yeah, it's true. We used to do the, uh, the podcast, and people, and people called in, and I would see her writing the name, the word husband, when the first person, hi, I'm, I don't know, Julie from Wisconsin. It's just energy. And it's just she energy. would write mm -hmm. husband, and so I'm like, you know, and I'm just I would go, husband here. died, son died, committed suicide, da, I mean, da, 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 da. it just immediately comes fascinated. in. It just I, rushes in. I'm just so in. fascinated by it. Yeah. I just, you know. It's just you're a open. channel. Oh, very open That's for my yeah. whole yeah. statement, stay yeah. open. But yeah. you're mm -hmm. open, and mm -hmm. I can imagine that so many people may have this gift but they're just not open. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And in my case, it was literally, you know, kaboom. As I had that moment when it just went whoop, up and out. Um, and it's, you can work on it. You can sit in meditation. Meditation is the greatest thing ever, really. Sit and be still. Do a guided meditation. Go online. There are a lot of free guided meditations, which are the best mm -hmm. if you're just starting off. And start connecting with source. I mean, it's, it's very easy to do. Um, it's a right-brained exercise. It's not left-brain, so you have to put away your left-brain, Shirley. And um, you can get through it through so, music, yeah. you can get through through yeah. drawing, through journaling. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Although journaling can sometimes be very left-brain too, but well, uh, there's um, free a free writing where you just take your pen and you just put a piece of paper down and to get you into the right brain, and you just I don't care what the thoughts are, you you could actually be channeling things. Yeah. Is that why some mediums, they just scribble? That's what I do, yeah. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. I do. I'll just start. It just comes in, and I'll just start to write it down. And it can come in at any time during the day, particularly if I'm listening to music, it comes in. So I like to uh, write and listen to music. kind of just comes in. Nice. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about unhealthy people, like how to recognize them, how to deal with them, how it feels to be around them. How does it feel to be around healthy people? What does empathy look like? What are some signs of empathy? Greatest thing ever. Go. <laughs> I just, I'm, it makes me happy to be around empathy. People who have empathy, actually. <laughs> I mean, what, what's yeah, because it's ideal. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it feels safe. It feels safe. Yeah. And I think that's one of the main you know, the main function of the job is to keep us alive. So feeling safe is not, you know, it's a, I'd say almost like it's a luxury. It's not something that we feel all the time yeah. with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so I think when we're around healthy people, we feel safe. So we feel we can kind of let our guard down and relax. Sometimes it can be that we're a little in shock, you know, with healthy, loving, safe, I uh, was a preschool teacher for 12 years before I became a therapist, 
and infant oh, and toddlers and ran toddler programs. And there are these beautiful children on my block. So I take Astro, my dog, for a walk all the time, and we'll see this little, beautiful little girl, and she's two now. And I just am walking with the mom, and we're talking, and she's giggling, and I'm like, I'm giving her creepy eyes, because I'm like, wow, she's so healthy. She's That's you, eye Shirley. contact, and, and warmth, and giggle, and touching my doggy, and just, it's so beautiful to acknowledge and celebrate a healthy attachment mm -hmm. and what that looks like connecting and um, the the ease of it you know mm -hmm. and and what we all got growing up and maybe the things that we didn't get that we wished we could have gotten but that we do with our clients which mm -hmm. is also really important well that's the piece you know is to be curious about that because we are all born with the ability to love and to connect and when we're not when we see our clients as adults and if you think about, okay, they weren't born that way, so what might have happened? And to me, that then forms the questions I might ask. What might have happened? This person is anxiety-ridden. So I can theorize the childhood wasn't safe. They didn't feel safe in their childhood. Otherwise, they wouldn't, you know, because anxiety is about fear. And so, so then you can start, you know, because you're absolutely right. That's how babies come in. I love to be around kids. There's nothing more I love than to be around little kids because they're so literal and they're so... Authentic. Authentic. And so, you know, and that's how we're born, you know, that's how we're born into the world. And so it, it allows, I think, for your own client to be curious about, okay, instead of being judgmental, curiosity is the antidote to judgment. Mm -hmm. So if I can be curious, why am I feeling this way? Why am I thinking this? Why did I just have this thought? Mm -hmm. You know, then you can help yourself that way as opposed to what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. why, did I, why did I have this thought? Yeah. You know? And it goes both ways, you know? I, I some therapists don't um, self-disclose a lot and that's fine everybody's different mm -hmm. but um, you know it's it's a it, I, I'm an attachment person myself so I just think it's important you know we're a relationship but when oh, you're there I you agree you share so much about your life and yeah if you have to know what sandwich I had today yeah. I think it's okay yeah I can right. share exactly right, right. I'm, I'm yeah. curious it's why kind of like you rule number one is yeah. I'm I'm not a blank slate like, yeah. That's well, cool if that's right. what you want. I see where that's valuable for some people, but that's not. I was me. this person that I work with. His mother had an affair with Fritz Perls, you know, and he was a student of Freud's. And he told him, he said, you know, he goes, do you know why Freud sat people on the couch and sat behind him? Because he was neurotic and he couldn't stand people staring at him every hour. So that's how he came up with that. It was his own neurosis. The psychoanalysts have taken own it on. inability to connect yes. in a way. And the psychoanalysts have taken it on as this is the way you practice. You don't, which in my mind, if someone oh. comes from, you know, cold <laughs> yeah, parents, it, it re-traumatizes to have this God. flat person yeah. that doesn't engage. Yeah, you know? get eye contact and the warmth. Yeah, right. right. So, but, but the idea that it came from a neurosis of his is just... Fascinating. Right? Yeah. I couldn't believe it. And, and yet kind of obvious when you think about it it's like it's like <laughs> yeah. that makes total sense especially when i think about the people who are really comfortable well, in you know, those scenarios exactly too. it's everybody i mean we we really kind of you know are, are are attracted towards an area that we um that we have issues with i think or that we want to find mm -hmm. ourselves I, I interviewed peter levine and he was telling us how when he grew up he, you know the parents were taught not to help hold the baby when the baby's crying mm. and that causes a separation between mind and body 
And so then, and you know, his whole thing is about connecting the body. So then he goes, I guess I've been looking for my body ever since. Aww. You know, I mean, it was Aww. just so sweet and so, and he's, you know, he's giving this world this gem, this gift of how to help people heal. Yeah. And, and how to stay anchored in the body. And how to stay anchored in the body yeah. and stay connected because that's where everything, you know, you can't, the body holds all the trauma, so if you have a lot of trauma, you have to disconnect. I almost, sometimes I actually see someone walk in and the, the image in my mind is, the head comes first and the body follows, you know? Yeah. And that's because they're so disconnected. I was hugely disconnected, you know? I didn't know, you know, sadness? What does that feel like? Oh, I'm feeling a heaviness in my chest. Might that be sad? It was, a, it was like learning a whole new language, you know? Would you also say, I know we're gonna wrap up, but would you also say that stage of life is very important, especially for the spiritual world or, mm-hmm. you know, the path that we're on? You know, I'm just thinking of, uh, either it's teenagehood or young mm-hmm. adulthood Absolutely. or women in menopause. That's a big one. Which yeah. is an important, important I'm sorry, finish this thought for me because I, I didn't understand the question. Is it important for what? Spiritual, is, spiritual. Is stage of life, like Yeah, what happens to well, evolve in therapy, you mean? For anything. To, to, Just for, for anything. For stage of life. Some people go, oh, it doesn't matter. Stage what, of life. I, what I find is that these younger people actually are really curious and they come in with a knowing something is off. Like they didn't drink all the Kool-Aid before they incarnated. They probably, they, they come in a little more aware. No, not all of them. Some of these people are really clueless. But some of them have really come in with this awareness. But to your point, sometimes, often what I see is when they get to be in their, say, 60s, it could be 50s, it could be as a result of a death of a loved one. Usually we'll send them right in. That's usually the big thing. Or cancer is I, I call that the great awakener because people then they have to, no choice. They've got to go somewhere. Cancer so go, and Trump, right? Great right? awakeners. Wait, you're great awakeners <laughs> because in this lifetime we all wanted to be here for this great awakening in this dimension, and, and I that's did. Yes, I always tell her that this all the time. That was my reaction to a medium <laughs> no. once who told me I chose my family. Yeah, like you were yeah. Saying. I was like, it's true. What? Yeah. So you, uh, to make you a great therapist. This, this one actually, kid. really think about it. I mean, really, you, you got a no, double no, dose of this. Are you trained before? Okay, this is what I'm gonna what do. About and one about. kid you were saying that said, "I must have been drunk when oh, I yeah. chose my parents. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He goes, "I must have been drunk." It's very funny, but it's so funny. It's, oh but God. yes, at a certain stage too. You know, especially when they get older. I have older people that I see, and I, I'm working with a woman who's 91, oh. and. I can't say her name, but she's lovely. I talk to her once a week. She doesn't drive anymore. And we do a phone session. And her husband, who'd passed away 15 years ago, who was a psychiatrist, comes through to me. And it's wonderful. But it has opened her up. Because as we know, 91, you know, there's a good chance at some point. Yeah. You know, there'll be an exit. And that she'll, she'll have an awareness of, she's so thrilled that she has this new found awareness. And she wishes she had done it earlier. So it does help. Yeah. Helps yeah, remove fear. Because a lot of people have that fear of death. Especially yeah. for people that's, with that's, fear of death, yeah. which I don't get because I've never been afraid of death. But <laughs> She longs for it. <laughs> <laughs> get me I'm out like, of here. Hey, and I'm like, no, not yet. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so for people with fear of death, it yeah, helps. It's a big one. Tremendously. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen the healing she does mm-hmm. working with people who either are afraid of death or who can't get past the 
or the if there's been a, I mean, I'll just make this really quickly. If there's been a, you know, a, whatever abuse has been with the mother or the father or whatever, and the mother and father come through and they are apologizing. By the way, I know zero of what will have happened because I don't know this person whatsoever. So the, the mother or the father, I had one the other day where the, uh, it was a huge healing with a mother and a father who had passed um, because they were really apologetic. Um, and then I give specifics about about yeah, so it. So it's not like, fact. oh, they say they're sorry. It's not like that. It's, <laughs> it's much it's deeper than that. So you're, you're saying you are able to be a conduit in those moments yeah. to help a repair that may not have been possible. Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. When everybody, when the parents were alive. Yeah. yeah. Nice because of ego it. and other things getting Absolutely. in the way. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I think that that's one of the things that happens. And again, so that kind of also ties back into what we're talking about with difficult people is to manage your expectations that everything may not yes. ever get settled in the way that you want it to be or wish that it would may be. not hear yes and you might get close you might not get any resolve here you may you may not you may get whatever on the other side you will have it well that's hopeful dr wendy's dream journal dr wendy anything for dream journal so we do a dream journal after every um, episode and as we're all talking i think i'm just thinking about unfinished business and unresolved you know issues especially maybe with people who have passed well ironically yeah. james van prague wrote a book called unfinished business oh okay. so i didn't read it <laughs> great great book but, but shout out <laughs> i'm sure it's good um yeah you know maybe in this week's dream journal to write a little bit maybe a list when i say journal sometimes i say bullet points make pictures it doesn't really matter to just get it out um, maybe about people who are on your mind that you miss or that you feel disconnected with yeah. and um, and and maybe do a wish what do you wish you could say what do you wish uh, you know experience maybe what you wish they would say yeah oh, back to you that's a good one yeah and I would definitely uh, call you all I, I think you are just lovely and really I it's it's hard to find wonderful therapists but honestly, you know, I always say to myself, like, would I go to them? Would I go to, like, I would definitely go to you, and I will be referring to you all. But you <laughs> have so you. many strengths to offer. But I love that you're also like a team, and you just have such gifts. You know, you get it. You know? Complimentary gifts. It's beautiful. So if they do the dream journal, please, you know, bring it in so they can explore it further. Yeah. It's the next level. Really, it is. I work a lot yeah. with dreams. It's beautiful. On every level. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yep, that's it. That's it. Yep. Uh, so, anything that you guys would recommend that people read or check out, or things that there's a great book called The Book of Joy. Um, is it? Is it? What is it? What is it? By Sanaya Roman. What is it called? Something with joy. Live with living with joy. That's the name of it. Living with joy. Sanaya Roman, and it's really a great book on um, spirituality and opening it up to gifts and. And getting your life force up. It's very good. Um, there's a comedy book that you turned me on to. Oh, it's a great book. Dead People Suck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's excellent. Talking about that. Okay, she's excellent. Not to be the Debbie Downer group, but it's hilarious. It's like a her father It'll touch away. you so deeply. She's a writer for Conan O'Brien. Oh, yeah. And her father she's died, comedian. I guess, four or five years ago. But yeah. she wrote this book called Dead People Suck. And it's really, it was good timing for me because my mom had just died. And 
Um, I read it. I laughed. I sobbed. I laughed. I, it's I mean, it's hysterical, touching. but it's, it's so good. You know, like warning, you know, if you know you're going to die, get rid of your porn. Just do it. Don't, don't, don't make your kids find it. And, you know, I mean, it's just, but it is, it's so, it's also so sweet. And so, you know, yeah. um, but for personality disorders, you know, I hate you. Don't leave me is always the first one. I think that was written. That's brilliant. And then stop walking stop on walking eggshells. Yeah, the stop walking on eggshells. The sociopath next door is brilliant. I love that. That book. one is one of the best ones to read for that. I, I taught a class on personality disorders, and that was one of the reading oh. uh, books. And waking book. the tiger. Uh, well, for somatic experiencing, um, in an unspoken voice is his updated version of waking the tiger, Peter Levine. And then he just wrote one. Well, came out a couple years ago. On trauma and memories and he's actually with Bessel van der Kolk doing a training up at Esalen which I'm gonna assist I'm so excited oh February. wow yeah. so if people want to go to that check that out when is February that in Esalen. February at Esalen yeah are you gonna go yeah oh, she said she's assisting she's yeah. Cheryl. Nice. I'm so excited oh yeah because Bessel van der Kolk you know wrote the body keeps the score yeah yeah, yeah. so it's all really getting in touch with that somatic piece and releasing wow. trauma that way and one other book, Talking to Heaven by James Van Prague. That was his first book that ever came out. Oh, that's a great It's one. a great seminal book for people. This is a new journey for who have just had, had loss. It's an excellent book for that. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, with spiritual stuff, even with religion, you know, when you think about it, if you're religious, you believe it based on faith. You believe it because that's what you were taught. And, it, you know, with spiritual mm-hmm. stuff, I read a lot of books. Some things felt right. Some things didn't. And I mm-hmm. kept the stuff that felt right, right, right. And, that resonated with me. And I didn't, you know, and I let go with the things it didn't so beautiful well Thank all right you. thanks so much okay so uh, i want to make sure people know where to find you there uh, you can find their podcast and videos on both sides now tv.com uh we've got dr shirley at dr shirley.com is that right yes That's okay uh and you're on instagram uh no 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 i thought you were no well we no. are on both sides well, now it's a personal instagram for for fun. Oh, okay. My professional Twitter is Dr. Shirley. And it's Dr. Facebook. Shirley I, isn't it? I, Dr. Shirley I, yes, you're right. Because I just friended you, or just oh, okay. both of you guys. Um, then we have it. both sides now TV for F- Facebook. And we and do Facebook Live uh, and Instagram, but we don't Wednesdays see... at 4 o'clock uh, Pacific Standard Time. Yes. The problem is that we're like. Like social dinosaurs, you know, and so we don't post that often. Yeah, but and still, people can go and see you, yeah. and then they can decide whether they want to go and you know connect with you, just follow you, and see what you're up to. If they're interested in the Eslin stuff, yeah, or if they want to, you know, I'm at, yeah, come to you as a medium. I'm at Spiritual Medium Kelly White, K E L L E E, on Facebook, and also that is my website. I think yeah. or it's KellyWhite.com. Yes, I have okay. Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-E, dot com. And yeah. then I actually hit the Beverly Hills Medium. As I'm also paper. known as the Beverly Hills Medium. She com. is the, the Beverly, Beverly Hills, Hills. Yeah. As opposed to just Medium of Beverly Hills, something like that. I think somebody had that. Medium of Beverly Hills. Or something like that. Yeah. Um, the um, And on YouTube, our old podcast, and we've mm-hmm. had some really great people on. Mm-hmm. We've had, um, who have we had on? Well, we've had James oh, on, so of many. course. Damien... Brinkley. Brinkley, another very well-known medium who's hilarious. Yeah, I don't this, think like, he's a medium. I don't think he's a medium, but he's written a lot about books about the other side. He's I fascinating. He's a medium. I don't think he's a medium. Anyways, he's this Texan, and he goes, oh, you know. He, Virginian. 
Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a he's big. It's us. Big kind yeah. of you know. He's big yeah. But, uh, <laughs> and we've had you know we've had um, we've had but well, your people we've had your people we've had. Um, Steve Stephen Terrell. Oh, Steve Terrell, mm -hmm. fabulous. He does about attachment and early on attachment. Oh, so um, good. Yeah, it's the greatest Steve show. Terrell. And Gina Ross, which is one of the somatic people. Excellent. So, had, so yeah. people check them on our out. YouTube, yeah. YouTube and uh, Facebook Live. Have to check that out. So uh, you can find me, Jenny with an I. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jenny J V Wilson. I'm on Instagram at the Preppy Rebel. Uh, my email is jenniferjvwilson at gmail.com, website jennyjvwilson.com. We're both on Facebook, Wendy and I, and you can find Wendy on our YouTube channel. YouTube channel, drwendyoconnor.com, drwendy. There's so many Wendy O'Connors, and there's one in New York that I get her stuff and she gets my stuff, but she's oh, blonde. funny. I'll be blonde maybe next month, so I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay, because I'm Schwartz O'Connor, so it doesn't really matter. But, uh, yeah, I am On Twitter, you're... Yeah. Ask Dr. Wendy. Instagram, I am Dr. Wendy. And, yeah. So, thanks for listening. Uh, send us questions, comments, topic suggestions. Send us some stars. Please subscribe. Leave us a review on iTunes. And until next time, as I always say, be as authentically yourself as you can possibly stand. And as Wendy always says, stay open. And that's it. Thanks, you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I know I'm scared to like look at Twitter and see what's happening in the world. So Everybody looks so real at ease So distrustful, so displeased Running down that table I see a borderline Like a barbed wire fence Strung tight, strung tense Axis two cluster B. Yep. He's a so narcissist, he borderline sociopath, uh, histrionic. Mm -hmm. You're so I can't. I can't even. I can't.